Welcome to this Stroke Journey podcast, brought to you by the National Stroke Education Center at the University of Cincinnati, your premier source for comprehensive diagnostic and therapeutic stroke education from the pre-hospital and emergency settings through the ICU and rehabilitation. Please welcome today's host, Dr. William Knight. Hello. This is Bill Knight with the National Stroke Education Center, speaking today with my friend and colleague, Dr. Kyle Walsh. Kyle is a triple-trained emergency physician with specialized training in neurocritical care and stroke. And today we're going to be talking about the topic of heparin and stroke. It's interesting that over the years that there still remains some interest, and I would even say some controversy, in the topic of the medication of, of heparin and anticoagulation with stroke patients. And, and to break it down a little bit in both the acute phase and then and then through the hospitalization and the ICU. To kind of lead off, Kyle, first off, why is heparin discouraged as routine use for stroke patients, particularly in the acute phase? Yeah, the main reason, so if we think about why heparin could be harmful, uh, the main reason that comes to mind and that many people are concerned about is that that anticoagulation can lead to bleeding into the stroke, right? So that stroke tissue within the brain is already damaged. Um, It can be at risk of bleeding even spontaneously. And we also worry about, for example, hemorrhage after TPA use. And so heparin would be another risk factor or any anticoagulation could be a risk for bleeding into that damaged stroke tissue. On the other hand, you can think of reasons that it, why it might be helpful, such as breaking down some residual thrombus, um, increasing or improving the flow through the collateral circulation, and helping to prevent early recurrent stroke. So those are all reasons for which heparin might be helpful acutely. Yeah, and I, I think when people like you and I take call for a geographic area for the management of of acute stroke stroke patients, largely for emergency physicians, but also for inpatient type situations. Um, There are still clinicians that are are interested in in wanting to use um, heparin or anticoagulation in the acute phase. Is there any literature or evidence to support not using heparin, given that it is not a widespread kind of first choice for the management of a stroke patient? The American Heart Association guidelines have been consistent from 2013 and then the more recent guidelines in 2019 that heparin should not be used. So acute anticoagulation, which could be thought of as using heparin early after ischemic stroke, should not be used for ischemic stroke as a large group. So if you think about all comer acute ischemic stroke. And that's been consistent. You know, between 2013 and 2019, there were uh, some additional publications that were noteworthy, particularly two large meta-analyses, including a Cochrane review. And um, both of those also confirmed some prior literature, prior studies that showed that overall heparin was not beneficial. Again, thinking about ischemic stroke as a single large group of all different etiologies of stroke, that we can get into some of those uh, more specifics. And what we oftentimes see from the studies more specifically, is that there may be a signal that there's less early recurrent ischemic stroke, uh, maybe even some early improvement in use of heparin for these stroke patients, but that's balanced with an increased risk of hemorrhage that often occurs, and then overall, typically in many of the studies, no significant difference in longer-term outcomes. So no significant difference in heparin versus not heparin, for example, for a three-month outcome. So I heard you, you, you mentioned both that, con, that concept of either early benefit versus that risk of harm. In, in your experience or in your, your understanding of, of the evidence, is it more of a lack of benefit or, or an, a risk of increased harm? 
I think in many cases, it's really more of a risk of increased harm, particularly that hemorrhagic risk that we discussed um, earlier. Although, really, the conversation does need to shift toward thinking about ischemic stroke in relationship to the different etiologies, the different subtypes, right? So I just mentioned ischemic stroke as an overall group. If you think about all patients at present with ischemic stroke, and that could include small vessel, large vessel, cardioembolic, et cetera. But the guidelines do, and, and guidelines as well as different review articles that are out there, do start to talk about ischemic stroke and its subtypes. So while heparin may not be useful, for example, for all comer ischemic stroke, it could be beneficial for ischemic stroke associated with you know, high-grade carotid stenosis or ischemic stroke associated with arterial thrombus um, as just two examples of, of those subtypes. You know, when you, when you speak of those subtypes, it's, it's so difficult, almost impossible in the emergency department to know what those subtypes are without that, the benefit of an additional workup on the inpatient side. You referenced two of those subtypes. Are there any other areas or, or conditions that, that, that you might use heparin, say, particularly in the neuro ICU as an intensivist for stroke? So, yeah, two just mentioned um, with the high-grade carotid stenosis, particularly as a bridge to end arterectomy or carotid stenting. Uh, Then the stroke associated with an arterial thrombus, for example, an internal carotid artery thrombus on the same side as the stroke would be another stronger indication for urgent use of anticoagulation, so more acute heparin after ischemic stroke. And then the other big group would be the high-risk cardioembolic stroke, so not the atrial fibrillation by itself would not qualify, but something like a cardiac thrombus, mechanical heart valve, LVAD patient, so those higher risk cardioembolic patients. And within some of the review article literature, they more specifically, you know, give a list of what exactly qualifies as high risk cardioembolic, most of which I, I just mentioned. As a stroke specialist, can you think of any type of conditions where you might advise an emergency uh, physician or practitioner on the use of heparin in the ED for a stroke patient? Yeah, it's a good point to bring up because as you said, oftentimes we don't necessarily have all of the data, right? It's more and more common that we will, of course, have a non-contrast head CT for the patient, also a CT angiogram head and neck, and that can be helpful because that will obviously show if there is something like carotid stenosis or an intraarterial thrombus. So I think if the emergency physician has, for example, a CT angiogram that shows um, a clear intraluminal arterial thrombus, that that may be a situation which early heparin could be indicated. But I would encourage them to, of course, discuss that with the admitting inpatient team because there can still be some different considerations. For example, often in the ED, we don't have, for example, an MRI, right, that would show the full extent of the stroke. And that's one of the one of the major concerns is trying to balance the potential benefits of the anticoagulation with, as I mentioned earlier, the risk of hemorrhage. And one of the big factors associated with that risk of hemorrhage into the stroke is how big is the stroke, um, how extensive is it. And that may not be fully captured on that initial head CT, both because of the limitations of CT and potentially because of the time course, you know, if the patient presents early after the stroke onset. So to wrap up, can you speak briefly to perhaps even like a, a low flow state, like the posterior circulation or a, the, the basal artery, and it's uh, I wouldn't call it an indication. I would call it kind of an opportunity for anticoagulation in the acute ischemic period. 
Yes, I think that you know, if you're thinking about high-grade stenosis, and, and when we think of large vessel stenosis, we often think about you know, the internal carotid arteries as well as potentially something like middle cerebral arteries. But in the posterior circulation also, it could definitely be indicated if you're in a situation of like vertebral basilar insufficiency or, again, a, a high-grade stenosis of the basilar artery, which would obviously be you know, vi very high risk for morbidity and even high mortality if it were to include, include. So I think, again, thinking from the ED perspective, if you're in a situation where you have your non-con head CT that presumably shows you know, a, sm a small stroke or maybe even no stroke, and then a CT angiogram in the head and neck that may show these large vessel findings, that could really prompt the ED physician to consider heparin earlier talk about that a little bit, you know, more, a little bit more aggressively pursue that early conversation with the admitting um, neurologist, for example, or neurointerventionalist, and, and have that discussion. One of the interesting things about the timing of heparinization is that from a clinical standpoint, we often think about it in most cases, you know, in the course of starting at several days or even for something like atrial fibrillation, maybe a week or two after the stroke. But when you look at the literature and the guidelines, they discuss it more in terms of starting heparin within 48 hours, or there was a study even within 24 hours, and even a smaller study within three hours. So the timing of how the heparinization, you know, in something like three hours, obviously would fall much more into the ED realm, but that hasn't really penetrated the guidelines or the overall practice pattern. But there is still some thought that you know, similar to something when we think about TPA, that heparinization earlier could be particularly beneficial, but there's just fairly limited literature about that currently. I think that's important for people to take away that the nuances of a, of a medication like this, which also doesn't reach its maximal therapeutics quickly, it takes some time to ramp up to it. And also, given the evidence and then all the different subtypes that you referenced, having a collaborative discussion um, with a consultant or the, the resultant admitting uh, team uh, would certainly be critical, whether it be in the emergency department or in the IR suite or up in the, on the floor in the ICU. So I, I, I totally agree with you and think that this has uh, been very helpful. Um, do you have anything else that you'd like to offer as it, as it pertains to anticoagulation, the, uh, the acute stroke patient? I think the main point to take away is just to keep in mind that acute anticoagulation is not indicated for ischemic stroke patients as an overall group. However, when we start considering these different subtypes, then um, as I mentioned earlier, and as you can clearly see examples in the guidelines of, from the American Heart Association, then more early anticoagulation could be indicated. Although in almost all of these situations, again, it's a risk of balancing the risk of complication, so hemorrhage into the stroke primarily, with the risk of not anticoagulating, which would oftentimes be further ischemia uh, or a thrombotic event. Perfect summary. Uh, with that, we will wrap up. Thank you very much, Kyle. You've been listening to the National Stroke Educational Center. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. This Stroke Journey podcast is a collaboration between the National Stroke Education Center, MCRAIG International, and MedEd On The Go. For more comprehensive, high-quality educational resources for healthcare professionals, please visit strokejourney.com.